Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Isaac, and it is such a privilege to be able to introduce to you this episode of the podcast. That's because we're covering part two of the series that we're in titled Time, Treasure, and Talent. Last week, we discussed this idea of time and how our lives just become so cluttered with things that are meaningless uh, that sometimes God is on the shelf of the things that consume our time rather than the source of the energy we receive and the heart of every decision that we make. And so this week, we're discussing treasure. The title of this message is The Antidote to Greed. We live in the wealthiest society in all of human history, and God has been good to us and provided us with well more than we need. And yet, our hearts get infected by greed. So we invite you to join us as we discover the antidote to greed. This message is taken from March 14th, given by Pastor Dave and is titled, The Antidote to Greed. Well, God has been good to us. Amen. My favorite line in that song is, your goodness is coming after me. Your goodness chases me down. I love how we sang about the fact that I'm running to the Father. He pictured his arms wide open, and he's also running after me. And uh, I think about my six-year-old. His favorite thing to do is for me to chase him down. He loves when I chase him. I I hate it, actually, because... It's exhausting. He's too fast. I can never catch him. But he loves it when his father runs after him. And, uh, and he's just, he's running after you. I love the, the, the fact that we talked about this several weeks ago that Jacob went to Bethel and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not even know it. And even though we don't always feel him running after us, He is running after us, and he wants to give us good things. He is a good father who wants to bless us and wants to give us good stuff. So praise God for that. He's been good to me. He's been good to our church. Um, He's been just an amazing father. And next week, I have a really cool announcement for you. Uh, We'll talk about that next week, one of the ways that God has been good to this church and and answered a prayer. But um, he is so good. And this series is really all about the goodness of God that he's given us more than we need in many cases. He's given us time. We talked about that last week. Today we're going to talk about treasure, and then next week we'll finish the series talking about talent. But if you were with us last week, uh, we looked at this verse uh, from Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Um, We only get a little bit of time here on earth, and it goes and it comes and it leaves just like a mist or or like a breath, it's quick, right? So God, give me the wisdom to know how to use my days because it's going to go by quickly. That's what we talked about last week. Help me to steward this time that you've given me with wisdom. And we looked at the nation of Israel who spent 40 years in the desert, just spinning around the desert. Moses is leading them. And right before they're going to cross the Jordan River, the Jordan River is going to open up and they're going to come into the promised land God says to his nation through the prophet Moses in Exodus 13, you are to give over to the Lord. Now, this is an interesting verse that the very first thing that they are to do is to give over to the Lord. And there's a lot to be said about this. I took down a few notes. Um, Perhaps the Israelites are asking themselves a question, 
that's the first thing you want us to do is to give over? I mean, we're just coming into this, this new land. We need to learn the lay of the land. We need to get settled down. Our kids are going to start a new school, right? We got we to gotta go to Home Depot and settle our, our house and make sure we decorate properly. We got to figure out where the food is. And you want me to give? That's, that's the first thing I'm to do. God says, yes, I, I want you to give. Because when God blesses you, when his goodness is coming after you, it is so easy to take the goodness and just Hold it on, hold on to it with closed fists, right? Andy Stanley calls this the assumption of consumption. The assumption of consumption is that everything that comes to me is for me. Everything that comes to me is to me. I earned it, I deserve it, and I'll spend my money however I want to spend it, or I'm gonna save it. Because I don't know what's going to happen. What if? What if I don't have enough to be able to send my kids to college? What if my van breaks down? What if, what if, what if? And we could get ourselves all worried in a tizzy. And so as a result, everything that comes in, we just hold on to ourselves. Um, The human heart is deceitful. There's a saying that goes like this, just follow your heart. It's the worst advice anyone could ever give you. Because my heart is deceitful. Right, my heart uh, wants things that aren't always good for me and not always good for other people. And if you've been around the church for a while, you've heard me say this over and over, but I, I need to say this again for those of you who are new or if you're watching online, this is your first time. I grew up in a home where my dad worked extremely hard. He got up at four in the morning and he would drive school bus and then he would go to work. Um, he worked uh, at a steel company and manual labor, working with big machinery. Then he'd go back and he'd pick up the kids for school. And then sometimes he'd go back to work. Hard worker, but he didn't get paid a lot. And we had, I had four brothers and sisters and, you know, one bathroom, four brothers and sisters. That was just a disaster growing up for many reasons. Uh, but, but we didn't have a lot of money. And I'll never forget, right? I'll never forget going to the grocery store. Mom would put the groceries on the, the belt. And then she'd pull out the food stamps. And just the feeling of shame that I had that we couldn't afford basic necessities. I remember putting on boots in the wintertime and having to have grocery bags in my in my boots because they had holes in them, but we couldn't buy new boots. And so I remember just growing up, you know, thinking I was maybe less than or didn't have as much as some of my other friends did. And so as a result of that, I kind of grew up thinking, I can't wait to be able to make money on my own so that I can buy all my basic necessities so that I can. And, and so as a result of that, I can, I can get kind of like closed fisted, right? I can get this sort of assumption of consumption that everything that comes into my hands is for me. And as a result, I have to put up guardrails in my life because when my heart drifts, my my heart naturally drifts towards greed. And if I don't put up guardrails, I will very easily fall out of generosity and become a greedy person because I'm just naturally disposed to being a greedy person. Now, um, some of you are, are naturally a generous person, or some of you are just naturally a friendly person, right? It doesn't take the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to be friendly, right? I, I kind of look at myself as I'm, I'm generally a friendly person, right? And unless all you know me is through Sunday morning, then you might say, well, you're actually kind of distracted, right? So don't judge me on Sunday morning. But I'm, I'm basically, and I was in my 12th grade class, I was voted the friendliest, right? I'm just naturally a friendly person. 
And some of you would say, I don't even need Christ to be a friendly person. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're listening. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm friendly. I don't need Christ. So I don't necessarily need Christ to be a friendly person, but I do need Christ to be a generous person because my natural disposition is to just go and to drift towards greed or the assumption of consumption. And I can easily over-spiritualize this, right? I can, instead of spending money, I can save money. And we over-spiritualize it by saying, after all, Jesus saves, right? And besides, I'm putting it in the bank account where nobody can see it. And you can look at me and say, oh, you're not a very materialistic person. So we can kind of play that game. Right. Um, so he, here's what here's what this this whole this whole message is about. Um, the fact that the fact that um, generosity is the antidote to greed. Right. Generosity is the antidote to greed. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. When I first moved here nine years ago, I started getting headaches, like really bad headaches in the front of my, in, on my forehead here. And I could not figure out what was going on. I went to the doctor, and they were like, well, you just need to take Claritin. So I took Claritin. That didn't work. I called up a, a doctor friend who lived far away. I said, can, can you help me with this? And she said, well, describe your symptoms. And I was like, I got all these headaches. She goes, well, you have a sinus infection. So she prescribed steroid tablets and um, some antibiotics. And I took those. And it took away my pain. And I very quickly realized that I needed to take allergy medication. But the problem for the first several years, I would forget to take the allergy medication. And I would get a cold, which would very quickly turn into a sinus infection. And it would just knock me down for the count. But last week, okay, last Sunday, the very beginning of March, I remembered to take my sinus infect, uh, my, uh, my allergy medication. And I started out with Allegra, then that stopped working, then I had to take Zyrtec, that stopped working, ended up in the doctor's office again last year, and now I've got Zizol, right? And I'm hoping that this takes care of things. Now you say, why are you sharing that story with me? Here's why. Because we live in a culture, and you don't even notice it, where the pollen just springs up, I can't see it, I forget to take my antidote, and it just puts me down for the count. And it crushes me. We live in a culture here in the United States of America where we are surrounded by, I got to get more stuff. I got to upgrade. I got to save because what if, what if, what if. And if I don't have an antidote to guard me against greed, I just naturally become greedy. So generosity is the antidote to greed. Generosity is the antidote to this materialistic culture in which we live. So God says, I'm bringing you into the promised land, this wonderful piece of real estate, the land flowing with milk and honey where it's 70 degrees all year round and you're going to have everything that you need. And the first thing that you need to do when you get into this, this beautiful piece of land is you need to give. You need to give because if you don't give, your heart will quickly drift into the assumption of consumption. It will quickly drift into greed. It's all for me. So you need to give. That's the first thing. Now you say, okay, well, what are they supposed to give? Right? He says this, you are to give, you are to, hold on a second. You are to, sorry about that. I got a new clicker and it's, it's acting up on me. Okay. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Okay, now you're like, 
that, that, that's, that's a little bit weird. Just, just hang, hang on a second, okay? They're, they're to give the first offspring of every womb. And they're like, some of them are like, the, the first offspring? Well, how, how about my middle child? Because my middle child's not as good of a worker. My, my first child's like driven. He's type A. He gets everything done. Really, you want me to give my, my first offspring? He says, yeah, I want you to give your first offspring, whether it's an animal or a human, it belongs to me. I want you to give the first of it. And then in the days to come, when your son asks you, well, what does this mean? Why are you giving over your first offspring? You are to say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. And this is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. Now you can take a little deep breath. God's not asking for uh, for human sacrifice here, right? He's saying, here's, here's what he's saying. When you come into the land, the first thing you are to do is... Figure out how much your firstborn son is worth. And I don't know how they did that. I suppose I could have read a bunch of commentaries to figure this out. Maybe they went before a priest and a priest said, okay, they're worth, you know, you just have to pay this much to redeem him. And then they took their firstborn offspring of their herds and their flocks, their livestock, and they sacrificed it as a way to remind them that God set us free from Egypt, that God has been good to us, that God's given us more than enough. And that is a sacrifice, Because your firstborn offspring of all of your animals is of great value. But it was a way for them to demonstrate the fact that I need to trust God with the good things that he has given me. And he says this, this will be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So, my people my chosen people whom I love. I'm bringing you into the promised land. And the first thing I want you to do is offer the first offspring. Now, he gives them another command. And this is recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And this is known as the first fruits. Here's what he says. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Okay. Now, by the way, this was done d- during springtime where they would put the first fruits in the basket. And that's why we have Easter baskets. No, I just made that up. I, I, don't know why we, I don't know why we have Easter baskets. So this is what they would do, right? They'd go out to their land during harvest time. And they'd look out at the land after they planted it. And they're like, I hope the rain falls and the sun comes out so that I can harvest my crops. And after a while, boop, these little crops would come. It was the barley harvest. It would come up. Just a little bit of it, not all of it. And you would take that first fruits, some of it, right? Not, he, he didn't prescribe how much, just some of the first fruits. And you would put it in a basket. And you would go to Jerusalem at the temple and you would offer it to the priest. And you would say, thank you, God, for being so good to me. And this took some faith because you would just have to hope that God was going to bring up the rest of the harvest so that you could bring it in and eat or sell it. But it was a demonstration of faith. I'm going to give you my first fruits, put it in a basket, and I'm going to honor you. 
Okay, here's, here's something else that God commanded those ancient Israelites. He said, also, I want you to take a tithe of everything or 10% of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. So in review, okay, for those of you who you got daydreaming for a few minutes there, you were doing your taxes online, you need to come back here, okay? Here, here's what God commanded them. When you come into this land, the first thing that you need to do is you need to offer your first fruits, the first part of your harvest, and your firstborn child, and then you can redeem it, give the money, and you can keep your firstborn child. And then I want you to give your first 10%. And here's why. It's all God's anyway, right? God owns all of this anyway. And God loved his people so much to give them these resources. And he said, I just want you to give part of it back to me because I don't want you to get greedy. Because that's the natural disposition of the human heart is to become, it's, it's in my hands, it's given to me. Yeah, I know it's from you, God. I know you've blessed me, but it's all mine. God says, no, I just want you to give part of it back to me to recognize that I've given it all to you, that I've blessed you with it. And I want you to demonstrate faith that I will continue to provide for you. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. <sighs> free from the love of money. We've been talking about idolatry. Seems like that's been one of the topics over the last few weeks. Idolatry is simply something that has power over you, right? And it's like, oh, I got to get this. I got to upgrade. I got to keep up. I got to save and I got to make sure I'm going to be okay. And it quickly becomes an idol that has power over us. And we spend too much time working and too much time achieving and trying to get this. And by the way, I'm not opposed to wealth. I'm not opposed to, to getting rich, right? I'm not opposed to upgrading and, and getting more. It's just at the end of the day, at the end of the day, recognize that it's coming from God and that we're called to give part of it back to him. After all, the writer of Hebrews states, God will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He'll always provide for you. He'll always give you more than you need. Fast forward a little bit. Okay, so the, here's the nation of Israel. And they're like, okay, I got it. I got it. God, you've been good to me. You're about to give us this amazing piece of real estate. So Moses has everybody, right? And they're on this, the Jordan River. And right before they cross the Jordan to get into the promised land, Moses gives them a speech, which is basically a summary of Exodus and Leviticus, and it's called Deuteronomy. Gets them all together and pumps them up and just reminds them of the goodness of God. And he says this to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, now, some of you, you have pools of water in your backyard, don't you? And I'm hoping you'll invite your pastor over for this summer to enjoy those pools of water. For those of us who don't have pools of water in the backyard, most of us, we have pools of water in our bathroom, right? Some of us, we got multiple pools of water in our bathrooms, and we've got springs. I mean, so, so for the Israelites, they had to go out in the mountains and the valleys to get springs of water. We got these things in our house called faucets, 
that spring water. You just, you just turn the little knob and water just springs forth. I mean, that's how rich we are compared to the ancient Israelites. He's saying, I'm giving you this amazing, amazing piece of property with pools of water and springs flowing in the valleys. A land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Do you know how expensive pomegranates are? They're very expensive. Olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce. Anyone hungry right now? Yeah, yeah. So let me just kind of illustrate this. This is like my contemporary uh, 2021 Beartown Road illustration of this verse right here. Okay, so let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, I'm God. Feels weird to say that out loud. It's just an illustration. And my man Rick Myers here is the nation of Israel, right? And I'm like, I'm looking at all these nations out of mankind, and I'm like, you're my guy, right? You're my, you're my chosen people. Out of all these nations, I've chosen you, and I love you. You're the apple of my eye. We've got this relationship going on, and I want to bless you, right? And Rick, Rick, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's in my small group. We've known each other for years. We spent Christmas Day together. He bought me like he brought me like the greatest chocolate cake I ever had on Christmas Day. It was great, right? So we we got this relationship, and and I'm like, okay, I went to Wegmans yesterday, one of the great establishments uh, that we have in this in this land, and I went out and I bought. I bought all of these things. And I, I didn't get like, I was tempted to get Little Debbie fig bars, which were like very inexpensive, but I bought the good stuff. Fig Newtons, right? And, and then I got, I didn't just get like generic uh, uh, bread. I bought bread that it's a little bit holier than the rest because it's called monk's bread, <laughs> right? And it just looks healthy and good. Like it's, it's just good bread. And, and, and then I bought some of this uh, pure honey buckwheat, right? It just, it just looks good and tasty, doesn't it, right? And I, I want you to, and by the way, if I were, if God were to give this blessing to you in 2021, if he would have written Deuteronomy modern day, he definitely would have included. Now, I, sea salt, caramel, peanut butter, I'm telling you, Wegmans has done it again. You have got to try this stuff. So we're just going to throw, even though this is not in the Word, this, this is just some good stuff that I'm going to extra bless you with, Brother Rick. And then, you know, we got some barley. We got some really good olive oil. And then we got the vines, some grapes. Look how good those grapes look. And these are small grapes. Like the ones in the promised land were so big, they had to put it on a big rack and carry it over their shoulders, right? We got, well, I didn't buy you little wheat thins. I bought you big wheat thins. This is some good stuff from... And some monk's bread. And like I said, by the way, this, I just want you to know, if you ever buy pure pomegranate juice, you know how much this stuff costs? $7 for that little jar of pomegranate juice. I'm, I'm not sure I can fit it in here, but we're going to try Fig Newtons. And he, here's what God said. I'm bringing you into this land. It's not, that, it's not that you did anything to earn this, right? I just, you're my chosen people. I love you. I want to give you good stuff. So here you go, Rick. You can have that. It, and I need that back for the second service. Um, I'm just kidding. I bought two sets of it. Now, Rick, if I said to you, hey, can you give me 10% back? Maybe like a few fig noons and some of those, those wheat thins, maybe a couple pieces of bread. 
Can you give me like the first fruits, maybe a few grapes? What would you tell me? What would you say, Rick? You would probably say to me, heck yeah. Oh, you give me the whole thing? <laughs> right? Say my favorite Your favorite. He, he wouldn't say, it's all mine. You gave them to me. Right? The natural thing to do is to say, thank you for your goodness. Of course I'll give you 10. You want, you want 50? Of course. You've been so good to me. And he says this in Deuteronomy 8. And you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. And isn't it true, friends? Most of us have more than we need. So this is huge. This is huge. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands. Because when you come into the land and you have these pools and these faucets and all these fig newtons and pomegranate juice, most of us, we, we, we don't even pray the prayer, give us this day our daily bread because we got enough in the cupboard to last us months. And we got enough in the savings account. I, look, I don't want to downplay those of you who are struggling financially. I don't want to do that. But for most of us, we're tempted to, to forget that this all comes from God. And we're tempted to Forget to observe his commands. He says, if you do this, when you eat and are satisfied, don't raise your hands, but how many of you ate dinner last night and you were satisfied? And you maybe even had some leftovers. Some of you, you even ate breakfast this morning. For those of us who didn't forget to set our clocks ahead like me, I forgot, so I didn't eat breakfast today. But some of you ate breakfast today and you were satisfied. Right? And, and when you build fine houses, see, most of us, like internationally speaking, most of us have fine houses and some of us have fine houses. And in the ancient world, the Israelites, a fine house was like stones, this stone structure with like two rooms. And a fine house was like three rooms. You got fine houses, you settle down. And when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. See, some, some of us, we have these employees that we call money and we put the money in the bank and the money works for us. Like you go to sleep and the money's working for you, making more money. It just multiplies. That's how rich many of us are. Our money just multiplies. We don't even have to do anything about it, right? And then he says, your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. I'm telling you, one of the worst things that will ever happen to you is not that you would lose all your money, but it's that your heart becomes proud. Because when your heart becomes proud, you forget about God and you think to yourself, it's because I worked hard. It's because of my intellect. It's because I got that degree. It's because I'm so talented. And he says, be careful. Be careful that you don't become proud and forget about the Lord your God. He says, you know what the antidote of pride is? It's generosity. And you may say, yeah, but I work so hard. I get up early and I, I work all day and I, I put my hands to work and, and I provide. He, here's what he says. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I've done it. I've worked hard. I've got the degree. And it's for me. Again, the assumption of consumption, it's all for me. 
But remember, the Lord's your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Not only has he given you wealth, he's given you the ability to produce wealth. It's all from him. Everything that you have is because the goodness of God has chased you down and blessed you and been faithful to you. It says, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, the, the, the scriptures calls this mammon, the God of money, follow other gods, become an idol, has power over you, and you worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Now, if you read the history of Israel, they actually do get destroyed by other nations because they forgot God. Chances are your home will not be invaded by other nations if you don't practice generosity. But greed will destroy you. The assumption of consumption that it's all for me and we don't practice generosity, it will consume you and it will destroy you and you will be consumed by worry and I got to have and I got to get and what if, what if, what if. Here's what Jesus said. He says, look, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't have two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says you can't have both. Notice he doesn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil because he knows that the greatest competitor to your heart and the greatest competitor to my heart is money. He says you cannot serve both God and money. So which is it going to be? Are you going to serve me or are you going to serve money? And he's so good, he's so good that he gives us more than we need. And he says, I just want you to give part of it back to me to demonstrate your faith that I will provide and to provide the antidote for your greed and my greed. So here's the million-dollar question. Where do I even begin? Now, some of you, you grew up in the church. You've heard this message a thousand times. Maybe you're here and you're newer to the faith or you're watching online and you're new. Maybe you're not even a Christian. And, and I just want to say this. If you're not a Christian, the rest of this sermon is not for you. You can do whatever you want with this. This is good advice. This is self-help. This is self-improvement, right? You can do whatever you want because it's good to not be greedy. It's good to be generous. But if you're a Christian, this is for you. Because if you're a Jesus follower, you have a master, Right? You've been bought with a price and you no longer have rulership over you and your family. Rather, you have a new master and his name is Jesus. So where should you even begin? Here's what you need to do. Okay, You need to go home today and you need to take out your strawberries and your bananas and your pomegranates and you need to put them on your table and then take the first fruits and put them in a basket and bring it to church with you next week. And then you need to say to yourself, okay, how much is my firstborn worth? Is he worth $10 or is he worth $10 million? And then you need to write out a check and you need to bring it to church, right? And then you need to, now obviously I'm being facetious because that is it's not what you're supposed to do, just in case we're, we're, I'm being unclear here, okay? Um, he, here's, the, here's the truth. The truth is that the Old Testament, a lot of these passages that I just shared with you, was written to the nation 
of Israel. And you couldn't even practice these if you tried. In some of the Old Testament law, if you practiced it, you'd actually get thrown into prison because you can't stone the adulterer anymore, right? So these passages that we just looked at was specifically for the nation of Israel. And we are no longer under the law, as Paul would state in his letters, but rather we are under the new covenant that Jesus instituted as soon as he died on the cross. It's a new covenant. It's a new program. It's a new system. There's no temple. There's no priests. There's no Levites. Again, you couldn't even practice these if you tried. So where do we even start? Because the reality is when you look in the New Testament, God doesn't give you any percentages. He doesn't give you any numbers. But I'll tell you what he does give you. He tells you to be extremely generous. I mean, 2 Corinthians, Paul would talk about the Macedonian churches that were poor people. And he said, out of their extreme poverty welled up incredible generosity. These people excelled in the grace of giving. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. He would say, give to the needy. All throughout the pages of the New Testament, there's parable and teaching, one after the other, that talks about generosity. There's no numbers. There's no percentages. There's just extraordinary generosity. So, that being said, I want to tell you where I think you should start. And this may be one of the more controversial things that I've ever said on a Sunday morning. And there are pastors and scholars who probably disagree with me on this, but I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't have a verse for this. I don't have a passage for this. This is my opinion. And honestly, I got this from a guy named Randy Alcorn, who's one of my heroes when it comes to giving. He wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. And here's where I think you should start. I think that if you're a Jesus follower, again, if you're not a Jesus follower, this is not for you. If you're a Jesus follower, I think you should start at 10%. You say, well, that's Old Testament law. Yeah, we're not under Old Testament law. We're under the New Testament covenant. We're under grace. But if you say, now that I'm under grace, I can give less than 10%, here's what you're saying. That what God commanded of the poorest Israelite who lived in little stone houses with, in the iron houses were like a few rooms and had to pray, God, give us this day our daily bread because I'm not sure I'm going to eat today. The poorest of Israelite was required to give 10% plus first, first fruits plus the temple tax uh, plus free will offerings. That was the poorest of Israelite. And if you say, I no longer have to give 10%, you're saying God requires more of an ancient poor Israelite than he requires of me who live in the richest society in the history of mankind. And if you're at peace with that, then be at peace with it. But I don't think that's what God calls us to. I think extreme generosity starts at 10%. Here's what C.T. Studd said. He's a, a missionary uh, from the late 1800s. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This is what this series is all about, that this little dot right here represents our existence. We talked about this last week. God, teach me to number my days because I only have a few of them. 
And what I do in this life goes on for eternity. The legacy that I live, those ministries that I fund, the relationships that I build, only what we do with Christ will go on and on forever. And what we do in this life matters. And when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I have to give account for my time, my treasure, and my talents, I don't want to say, well, I gave less than what you demanded from an Old Testament Israelite because I'm under grace. <laughs> Come on. We're better than that. We've been given more than that. We've been given new life in Jesus Christ. God, who gave of his firstborn, who gave of his first fruits, so that we could have new life in him. I think you should start at 10% and then grow from there. That's just my opinion on this. You know, I love the story of, of Scrooge. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge, great story, right? He starts out, he's kind of the extreme example of a greedy person. You know, oh, humbug. It's just, just mad. It's just a miserable person. And then he has three dreams. And he gets to see the past. He gets to see the present. And he gets to see the future, which he can still change. And after he gets an eternal perspective on his wealth, he becomes extraordinarily generous. And Charles Dickens, when he records this, when he writes it, he describes him like this. He, meaning Scrooge, had never dreamed that anything could give him so much happiness. Because an eternal perspective allows you to, instead of holding on to all your stuff, being more generous with your stuff. Here's what Martin Luther said. I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. That I still possess. Generosity, it's the only antidote to greed. It's the only antidote to materialism, this culture that we live in that keeps on telling us you need more, you need more, you need better, you gotta upgrade, you gotta save, because what if, what if, what if, and God says to you, look, 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 just trust me. Just trust me. One of the best ways to demonstrate faith in God is to say, here you go. By the way, I think this is gonna hurt. I think when you write that check, and you give to your local church that means a lot to you and that disciples your children and, and gives you the, the resources to follow God, or you give to those ministries or those missions organizations that are spreading the gospel worldwide, I think when you write it, it's going to hurt a little bit. And you're gonna, your hand's going to shake when you start writing that check. I despise prosperity theology, which says, if you give God 10, he'll give you 100. If you give God a hundred, he'll give you a thousand. I hate that kind of faith. I don't give so that God can bless me. I give because he's already blessed me. I give because he's already given me the land flowing with milk and honey. I give because he's already given me more than I need. And I give to demonstrate that he's been so good to me. And I give to demonstrate that I trust you with everything. I don't just trust you with my days. I don't just trust you with my children, but I trust you with my wealth. So, will you trust God with your stuff? Will you open your hands and say, God, thank you for being so good to me. I'm going to give part of it back to you, and I'm going to trust that you will never leave me and never forsake me. 
sat down with my buddy this week, Dan Laux, who's our head deacon. Uh, the deacon ministry provides for those who are in need, those who need a, a financial boost. Because of your generosity, church, we've been able to help people that are in need, but we want to help more people who are in need. And so I want you to listen to Dan Laux talk about that and talk about the way that God has worked in his heart. So let's go ahead and watch this video together. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Laux. I'm a proud member here at Beartown Road Alliance and one of the deacons here at church. The deacons oversee our Helping Hands Fund. This fund was established so that we can reach out and assist folks in need within our congregation and also out in our community. No matter if it's a need with a utility bill, a car repair, or simply a grocery card to help with their need for food, we as a church are here to help. And in the name of helping others, I would like to encourage us all to be cheerful givers. Never give or donate to something because you think you have to. Do it because you want to. You feel it on your heart. 2 Corinthians 9.7 reads, Let every man give according to the purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. When I give or help out others, I get the sense of fullness. You all know what I mean. The sense of fulfillment or happiness. It makes you happy to know that you're able to help someone in need. God has been very good to me. I've been blessed in many ways. I think of family. My loving parents, two wonderful kids, and of course my beautiful and understanding wife. Also a successful business after 18 years. And not least, my relationship with Jesus. Many treasures that I'm grateful for. I would like to ask any of you if you know of anybody in need, um, a friend, a neighbor, coworker, um, let us know. Get a hold of the front office, uh, email, and we'll reach out to them. See if we can help them out. It's my prayer and hope that God has blessed you so you, in turn, can bless others. You know, we, our mission here is to help each other take our next step towards Jesus. Um, that's helping your children and your teenagers and singles and young adults and adults. We want to help you get another step towards Jesus. And I know for many of you, this is a message that's like, well, that's a big step towards Jesus to give 10%. For some of you, you already do that, and maybe it's, I want to take another step with my finances and trusting God. Um, and, you know, we, we want to be able to help those who are in need in our local community as well as around the world through the Great Commission Fund and supporting missionaries who are in some of the hardest-reached places on earth. And I would just ask that you would think about this, that you would talk if you're married to your spouse or your girlfriend, your significant other, your boyfriend, and just say, how can we take another step towards Jesus with our finances? Um, in the last year, okay, it's, it's been an entire year. We have not talked about money one time, and we did that strategically and, and we, we want to begin to talk about this more often because we believe what we're doing here is making an eternal difference. And so in our videos moving forward, we're going to say, here's how you can support the church through online, through offering boxes, just because we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us in helping each other take our next steps toward Jesus. We want to help the poor. We want to help the needy. And we want to continue to help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for partnering with us financially to help people take their next steps towards Jesus. Let's pray together and then we'll get you out of here. God, we thank you for this unbelievably challenging message that you have described for us 
in your holy scriptures. The reality is, God, you have been so good to us and your goodness has been chasing us down and running us down. Would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with this and the courage to take that really scary step by being a little bit more generous with what you've given to us already? We pray this in the matchless, the mighty, the powerful name of God who led the Israelites out of Egypt and led us out of our sinful state. We love you so much. The name of the God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I do hope that this message was a challenge to you in the same way that I know it was a challenge to me. And so we invite you to come back next week for the final part of our series, Time, Treasure, and Talent, as we discuss the talents that have been given to us and the expectation that God has for them in our lives. So until we see you again, thank you for joining in on this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you.